and welcome to the Greater Than Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have already overcome them, for greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Join us as we have different guests and topics that address what's going on in our world and culture from a biblical perspective to find and remind ourselves that greater is he on the inside of us than he that is in the world. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Greater Than Podcast. My name is Elijah Merle. So honored and blessed you're taking out time to join us today. God is doing good things and he's doing it in your life. Today, we are joined by Brother Dean Sykes. What an amazing ministry of You Matter. Um, such a, a blessing of God. I first heard Brother Dean, oh, a couple years back uh, when I was a youth uh, at uh, 1440. And so, so thankful for him and his ministry. Uh, and so I uh, just wanted to have him on. And I know you will be blessed and encouraged by his testimony and what they do. Uh, Brother Dean, how are you this morning, sir? And I'm so just thankful to be with you. What a great opportunity. And I'm, I'm excited that we get to have some time together today. Yes, sir, Brother Dean. My honor, like I said, uh, and being uh, knowing about your ministry for a few years now, just being there in some of those services that you've done uh, at, in uh, Fort Worth over the years at the Believers Convention. And so, uh, so thankful that you had the opportunity to come on today. Uh, Brother Dean, uh, I want to just jump on in here. Uh, you guys have a powerful ministry reaching the youth and uh, uh, that, that God has placed in your life. And, I, and I'm just so thankful for it. Uh, I want to back up though, and talk about your upbringing. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I was in to do some research before we got on here. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you were raised in a Christian home and you came to the Lord at the age of seven, if I'm not mistaken. Could you just take us into some of that? Sure, sure. I uh, grew up in a Christian home here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, that's That's been home for me all along. Um, great Christian family, went to a wonderful church. I did get um, born again at the age of seven. It was on a Saturday afternoon, about two in the afternoon. I, an associate pastor named Ray Cleet from Ridgedale Baptist Church came to our home and led me in a prayer. And I knew something changed. Even at seven, I knew something had changed in my heart in those few minutes. And I went outside with my best friend named Chris Frank. He and I were loved playing football together. And I said, Chris, are you a Christian? Mm. He looked at me like I was from Mars. And man, that just shut me down. I never, I never said anything to anybody about Christianity again for years. I uh, yeah. was in church every time the doors were open, uh, prayed every, every, you know, over every meal, prayed at night, did all the things Christians do. And at 15, my life took an out of control turn when um, a Christian friend of mine sex, sexually abused me. Wow. And it was, that was a Wednesday afternoon at 445 in the afternoon. I'd been at school and went to this person's home. And I was just such a naive individual at that young age. And didn't see, didn't even have any idea what was getting ready to happen to me. And um, in 60 seconds, my life changed. Uh, and I just, I remember when the abuse was over, this person looked at me and said, want to go play ping pong? And later that evening, went to church. Like oh nothing had happened. And I, I shared with teenagers who come from all walks of life. We've been doing this now as of, as of this taping, uh, we're on, we're, coming into our 32nd year of talking with teenagers full-time on the road. So in all of these decades of doing this, speaking with millions, multiplied millions of young people in, in eight different countries and then all over the world with social and television, uh, here's one of the greatest things the Lord has ever instructed me to say to a young person. If you and I do not deal with our emotions, our emotions will deal with us. 
Yes, sir. They don't just go away. They have to be dealt with. And the Bible says in Proverbs that open communication permits progress. So one of the ways you deal with this stuff is openly communicating. And we'll get into, into words of why that's important if you want to shortly. But I, um, I just buried the pain and didn't talk about it with anyone, didn't, didn't tell anyone what had happened to me for 22 years. And during those 22 years, it's like compounding interest. If, you, if I had a trash can here and I just kept pushing the trash down, kept pushing it down, yeah. kept pushing it down, there comes a point when you can't push it down any longer and it, by default, it will overflow. Mm-hmm. And when it overflows, that's when it all, whatever's in here, internal reality becomes external reality. And I've lived that. I know what that feels like. And it's not a fun day. Yeah. No, yes, sir. It's so true. But I, I believe that's so powerful, though, about this open communication, about talking about these things that the Lord brings you out of. And uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing how the Lord can use everything the enemy meant for bad and just turn it just like no there's nobody like our god i mean the way he does it is so amazing uh, and so true so you you go through this uh brother dean and then you 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 grow up a little bit more and then you have the second time if that i'm if i'm not mistaken the second time you hear the audible voice of god can you take us into that moment sure and and as we do that let's let's let this be our platform in that, as you were talking, and the, the Spirit of God spoke to me, said, remember that what you overcome becomes your platform. That's really good. Yes, sir. Okay. So at, at, now at this point, I had failed PE at 17, not because I wasn't athletic. I played golf, taught tennis, and played quarterback. I mean, I'm a pretty athletic guy. Mm-hmm. I, I was lying. That was my drug of choice because I didn't like me. When I looked in the mirror, I saw someone who was damaged and broken. So if I didn't like me, how could you like me? So let me by default, then create an image that I think you'll like by lying. Well, that doesn't work. So at at 18 and 19, I was in politics in Tennessee. I was the youngest political consultant in our state. Uh, I was on a trajectory to run for office. My my goal was to be in the legislature at 21, be in the U.S. Congress at 25, the U.S. Senate at 30, run for governor at 36. And we had a plan. We had we had polling data saying this is this can happen. We had people getting behind us financially. I was this young kid, but there was this maybe maybe that's that one in a million. And mm-hmm. I, I was nothing, not, nothing satisfied me. I was just so miserable. I was so unhappy with me. And here, you know what the word says: the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God, and the second is like unto him, that you love your neighbor as yourself. Yourself. If you don't love yourself, you're incapable of loving someone else because you can't give what you don't have. Yes. So all this is circling on the inside of me. My life is, you know, on the outside, it appears to be everything is great. I'm now in real estate development at 21. We have airplanes. We have a condo in Florida. I've got a great looking girlfriend. I've got some money. I got all this stuff. But in reality, the stuff had me. And that's Mm -hmm. dangerous. So at 21, I prayed a very simple prayer that was, and and just, just in full transparency, there was no faith attached to what I'm getting ready to tell you. My prayer was this, if you're real God, and I don't think you are, but if you are, and if you've got something for me to do, prove it. Mm. That's all I said. Well, I tell and share with young people, don't ever ask God, the creator of the universe, to prove to you he's real unless you're ready for an encounter of the first kind. Because two weeks later, I'm in my office. I'd been at lunch. I walked past Sharon, our receptionist, walked down a long hall in this wonderful office complex we had, walked into my office, shut my door. It was a beautiful day outside. It was a March afternoon. The wind was blowing. The sun was shining. I sit down in my office. I pick up a phone to dial. And I was checking on a shopping center we were developing in Beckley, West Virginia. Hmm. And off behind me to my left. I heard the audible voice of God. 
And he said two words. And these two words were the defining moment of my life. He said, call mom, call mom. I didn't say what if. I dialed three, four, four, seven, four, four, three. The phone rang six times, seven times. On the eighth ring, my mother answered the telephone. And when she said hello, instantly I knew something was terribly wrong. For in that moment in time, when God by his spirit said to me, and by the way, the God that I prayed to said, if you're real, he's real. <laughs> he's real. <laughs> he said to me, call mom. And I did so. In that instant, my mother was attempting suicide. I could hear the life leaving her body when she answered the phone. Make a long story short, I got to their home, and from the outside in, their home looked fine. From the inside out, however, my mom was dying. I see, I see millions of students. From the outside in, they appear to have it all together. From the inside out, their world is falling apart. I get my mom to her car, drive her to a hospital. And as we're driving, she said to me a sentence I'll never forget. She says, Dean, I can't be dying. I said, Mom, you're not going to die, but you're going to have to choose to live. I believe the most important word in that sentence, choose to live, is the word choose. Because the Bible tells us that we are to choose this day. Every single day, every minute of every day, we are faced with choices. And our choices create our circumstances. I get my mom to a hospital, a doctor threw me against a, a wall, rushed her to the emergency room, began to work on her. My dad was now there, family and friends were arriving. And after 45 minutes, this doctor walked over to my dad and had the most bewildered look on his face. My thinking is he's gonna tell us you know, what time she went to heaven. But instead he said, there's no medical reason to tell you this. It is a quote, miracle of God. I heard miracle of God in my, I mean, I, my ears perked. I was like, what in the world are you getting ready to say? And he said, she's fine. She's alive. You can go see her. We're getting ready. We're going to release her tomorrow morning. I heard that doctor say miracle of God. And I looked straight up and I went, you've got to be kidding me. You're real. <laughs> and then he took me, the Lord did on this long, to this long corridor, Park Ridge Hospital in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I could take you to the spot where I leaned against the wall. And I had an encounter with Jesus. And from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, it was as if the warmest oil hit my body and hit my spirit. And he said to me these words, he said, I've called you. I said, what does that mean? He said, you're going to come work with me. I said, no, I'm going into politics. You, I've already got this thing. He said, no, that's your idea. You're coming to work with me. I said, what am I going to do? He said, you're going to be a speaker. I said, is there anything else I can do? Because I don't want to do that. He goes, no, that's what I've called you to do. I said, where do you want me to speak? He said, high schools. I said, you are, you've got to be kidding me. Were you not in my, where I was, when I was in my junior in high school, I took one half of one semester of speech and dreaded with fear every single day walking into that class. He said, I was with you then, I am with you now, and this is the calling. You can embrace it or you can run from it, but it's not changing. Hmm. I was reminded of Jonah chapter one, how he was instructed by the Lord to do something. Jonah chapter two, he got a three-day expense, all expense paid vacation in the belly of a big fish. Jonah chapter three. Hmm. Exactly the same words of Jonah chapter one. The point is, mm -hmm. the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. And shortly thereafter, I began this journey. No, that's so wonderful, man. What a, a powerful testimony of the faithfulness of God. And uh, I believe that's important. So let's just continue in following the story. So you're that you're called out. The Lord says, I want you to go into ministry. And uh, you help, if I'm not mistaken, you get, you help brother Phil Driscoll for a season. Can you take us into, can you take us into the importance of serving? Cause I oh. think that's something that people miss, you know, oh. serving God. Yeah. I, I, I share with teenagers that 
it's my view and my belief that you'll never really have an effective ministry of your own till you serve someone else's. Yes, sir. Uh, it's everything in the kingdom of seed time and harvest. And most people get that so burdened down with just money. And it is money is the, is the least of that. It's, least. Yes, sir. it's what can you do as a seed? In the, I mean, a smile is a seed. Hello is a seed. Paying someone's lunch is a seed. Writing a note to someone, sending an email, sending a text. It's all seed. And so I was in this thing, real estate development. When, when the Lord called me on that day in that hospital, my life didn't change immediately. I was still working in real estate development. But what's interesting is the developer for whom I worked has a son who plays the trumpet. And he and I, this young man and I grew up together. And the dad one morning at 630 left me a note on my desk. I would always get to the office very early because I was single and I always wanted to make a good impression. So I thought showing up early and staying late would do that. And this developer left me a note on my desk and said, come see me. And he, I went into his office at 635 that morning. He goes, I want you to see if you can do something. He said, my son plays the trumpet. I said, yes, sir. I know that. He said, I want you to see if you can get his demo tape to Phil Driscoll. I said, absolutely. I can do that. Not a problem at all. Do you have it? He said, yeah, I do. He said, I said, may I have it, please? I took it out of his office and I had two questions. Who is Phil Driscoll and where does he live? But in that meeting, I was like, yes, sir, this is done because I knew all things are possible to those who believe. Come on. Yes, sir. So I asked the Lord, I said, who is Phil Driscoll? He said, he, he showed me how to find it. Little did I know it. But Phil Driscoll lived 32 miles from where I was standing that day. Mm. Make a long story short, I went up to Phil's ministry, uh, met his executive team. He Phil was on the road, and um, they saw something in a young 21-year-old kid that they said, yeah, we think you should meet with Phil and see if there's a connection here. And a couple, I got a week or so later, I met Phil, and man, the instant I met him, I just, boy, I was connected. And um, this interesting, Phil was doing a, a live album in New York. At a, at a real big spirit-filled church. And, and this developer I worked for and his wife and, and their son and I flew up to be part of that, that um, live recording. And because of my background in politics, I, I knew kind of how to just, you know, navigate crowds and get backstage when I needed to. And so I, I, I went through the concert, went through the ministry time with Phil, saw the whole thing and saw, I watched where Phil walked off the stage and I just kind of meandered my way. And, you know, they got security guards everywhere. And I just, you know, kind of act like I knew what I was doing. And I ended up in the pastor's mm -hmm. office just with Phil and me by ourselves. And I said, I don't know what happened tonight. But man, something happened in my heart. And it was, I was so young in faith, but it was the anointing on Phil's life that I was so drawn to. Mm -hmm. I was so drawn to what can worship do? Because I believe this, that when you and I praise God, we enter his presence. But when we worship God, he enters our presence. And so I began to serve Phil. Shortly thereafter, I went to work for Phil as his road and business manager. And wherever he was, I was. For three and a half years, he and I did over 600 events together from South Africa to Europe to all over America, Canada. I mean, that's where I served. And in December of 92, uh, I went to Phil and said, I love you. You've taught me faith. God's called me. I've got to start my own. And on January 1st, 1993, with not a penny in the bank, a measure of faith and a vision, I took a step of faith. And the Lord told me, he said, you'll never charge anyone anything. Matthew 10, 8, freely you have received, freely give. I said, okay. Again, young in faith. I'm not going to be able to eat a whole lot. I won't have a place to live. But all I care about is I just, I get to work for God. And then that's, that's all I care about. I get to, he's going to let me go share my story with all these students. 
And little did I know back then you know, what he had in plan and in store. Yeah. But I, in the mornings, I would call high school principals, go, hi, I'm Dean Sykes. Here's this is my testimony, my story. I'm not going to charge you anything. I'd like to come talk with your students in an assembly. In the afternoons, I'd call business people. Hi, I'm Dean Sykes. Here's my story. I'm not going to charge anyone anything. I'm going to see 100,000 students this year. Would you be interested in making a donation into our ministry? It took off. The first decade, I saw 100,000 kids each year. I saw a million students in 10 years. Wow. Now, all these years later, we're, we're, we're at 2.6 million students. Uh, uh, Praise God. We've had over 300,000 people give their hearts to the Lord. We've never charged anyone anything. I've written 31 books. Our ministry is debt-free. We've got a team of people who do all this. I, I just wake up with gratitude, with thankfulness, because mm -hmm. God didn't have to do all this. He's, yeah. he's, he just decided he found somebody that said yes. Yes, sir. Oh, so wonderful. Praise God. And, and I, I want people to hear that a lot of younger people listen to this podcast. And I want people to hear this side too of your story about how you got a call from God, a mandate, and there was that period of serving. Uh, yeah. Just like um, Elisha with the prophet Elijah that he was washing uh, his hands. And so I believe that that's important. I always tell people find someone's hands to wash, you know, if you feel called yeah. to ministry, find someone's hands to wash. So I think that part is very important. Uh, so Brother Dean, can you take us into You Matter and what you yep. guys are doing and, and equipping these kids and, and some of the testimonies you guys have seen? Sure, sure. Let me just, if I may, just piggyback on what you just yes. said. It's really, what you just said is real important. When you serve someone else, yes, sir. find someone who, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you someone who's doing something already that maybe is percolating in your heart. See, I always knew that I would have a traveling ministry because I worked for a traveling ministry. I always knew I'd have my own airplane because I was around someone who had their own airplane. And so you find someone that God connects you with, you serve them until God says it's time. And then how you leave that season determines how you enter the next season. Yes, sir. Right. So when God spoke to us, you know, I, I he asked me years and years ago, he said, do you know what I've called you to do? I said, well, I've been doing it a long time, but I, if you're asking, I'm listening. Mm -hmm. You're a messenger. Messengers do two things. They receive messages. They deliver messages. He said, for the remainder of your life, you'll do three things. You'll hear my voice, deliver my messages, and share your testimony. That's all I do. I hear, I share, I deliver. That's it. I don't get outside of that. That's where God's placed us. Mm -hmm. Now, the most important thing I will share with your audience is this. When you, whether it's ministry, business, whatever, you've got to find yourself in scripture and verse. This is the most, this is the best selling book of all times for a reason. Mm -hmm. And it has the answers. Now, for me, I had to go, I mean, I, I did this. So I know what I'm talking about. I said to the Lord, I'm not leaving where I was until you and I come to a conclusion that I've got scripture and verse on what you've called me to do. Because when all hell breaks loose, and it does, the only mm -hmm. thing that God is honor bound to respond to is his word coming out of your mouth in faith. Yes, sir. So I went to the word and I said, all right, Lord, I'm not leaving until you give it to me. So long story short, he gave it to me. I'm called to Ezekiel 3, 10 and 11. I have a mandate of Proverbs 24, 11. My message is Job 33, 4, all for the purpose of 2 Timothy 4, 5. I know exactly why you and I are talking right now. Come on. Yes. So it's those scriptures at work. Now, you matter. July 3rd, 2012, Fort Worth Convention Center, Southwest Believers Convention. I was ministering to the youth. It was the very first time that we ever had our I Matter pledge card. It's a pledge that says, I choose to live and not end my life for three reasons. I was created as an original for purpose and for relationship. 
It's based out of Job 33, 4 that says, the spirit of God made you and the breath of the almighty gave you life. That's the founding scripture of humanity. Who's, who gave you life? The spirit of God. The breath of the almighty jump-started your life. God has never made a mistake, and he's not going to start by making one with you by giving you life. God did not need your help getting into life. Conversely, he does not need your help getting out of life. That's why we are so passionate about ending teenage suicide, because every day in America, 5,600 teenagers attempt suicide. Let's let that number sink in. 5,600. That means in an arena that seats 12,000 people, that arena would fill up every two and a half days with teenagers who, in the previous 60 hours, bought the lie. That their death was a better choice than their life. What does the enemy know about your life that he's petrified you're going to get there? He's trying to talk you out of living. Mm -hmm. See, Brother Copeland taught us this a long time ago. You'll never beat thoughts with thoughts. You beat thoughts with words, and words in red always win. So that's what I'm, I'm doing. I'm, I'm speaking the words of life to young people in assemblies. Now, people ask me all the time, well, how do you get to go into a public high school as a ministry? Well, you got to be as wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. Yeah. You know, I've, I've spoken at this October, when this, this October of 2023, I will speak at my 4,000th event. Okay, so if our scheduling team calls a high school or they call us, we go, well, tell us about Dean. Well, he, you know, he's spoken at 4,000 events. He's reached two and a half million students. We've had 106,000 suicides stopped that we know about. We've had a hundred and over, well over 100,000 teenagers sign our I Matter pledge. We've got significant follow-up that doesn't cost you anything. Oh, and by the way, we're not going to charge you. Hmm. You know, so, yeah. and, 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 I, and I say this with, with, with just this, the most basic element of faith. If God will do all that through me, what will he do through you to people watching? I'm no special. Listen, the fact that I get to do this every day, I wake up every single day and I'm, I am 31 years, uh, eight months and 15 days into this journey as of the day we're taping. And I wake up with more excitement today than, I do, than, than the first 30 years because yeah. I see what God's doing. Mm. I, I realize that God spoke through a donkey. So I know he'll speak through me. It's just, can we just have a, can our hearts just be open and can we be transparent and can we have humility and can we just understand this has nothing to do with us. This has everything to do with a God who just loves us so much that he wants us to know your life matters. Yes, sir. Oh, so powerful. Yes, sir. So can you take us into that brother Dean? You mentioned some of, there's so many testimonies about people that were going to commit suicide didn't. Can you yeah. take us into a couple of testimonies that comes to your heart and mind about sure. that? Sure. I was in, I was in the, in, in um, the DFW, Dallas, Fort Worth area at a Christian convention uh, speaking. And um, when it was over, I was back at our, our table and I was just, you know, meeting lots of students. And I noticed off to my left, there was a young lady and, you know, this has been years ago, but I, I've never forgotten her name is Megan. And she walked up to me and I go, hi, Meg. what's your name? She said, Megan. I said, oh, Megan, my, my wife and I have a daughter named Megan. We call her Maggie. She goes, my name is Megan. I go, Megan, it is. I said, how old are you? She says, I'm 14. And I go, Megan. And here's what I learned. And this is what Megan taught me. Teenagers don't always want to talk, but they sure need to be heard. Mm, that's good. And I said, Megan, what's up? And boy, her, she looked at me. She said, I really liked what you said tonight. I said, thank you. I'm glad I got to come to the convention. She said, you told me that my life matters. I said, oh, yeah, it matters a lot. She goes, how do you know? I, I explained to her how the, the Lord created her. And her eyes filled with tears. She says, can I show you something? She said, I said, yeah. 
and she reached into her book, her bag, and she, um, as she was reaching, she grabbed her the, the right here where her sweater was, and she pulled her sweater down like that by her wrist, revealing she had sliced her wrist. It was horrific. Mm. And as she, she reached down into her bag, she pulled out this bloodstained razor blade, and she said, because you told me my life matters, I don't want to hurt myself anymore. Can I give this to you? Mm. I said, absolutely. And I carry that razor blade with me on the road, and I, and I share it. I mean, I show it in high schools every day that we're out, and I can't tell you how many times a student has walked up to me and handed me something. Mm -hmm. I, I was at a Native American Indian Reservation school in, in North Carolina and got through speaking. And, and honestly, I wasn't sure we had won that day. It just there was just there was minimal emotion, minimal response to my, what I was saying. And the, the prince walked up to me and said, thank you. Boy, these students really received what you said. I was like, really? <laughs> he said, yeah. He said, it was phenomenal. Their response. I said, OK, well, praise God. And I'm walking out and a young man stops me and he goes, you told me I matter. I said, you do matter, buddy. He said, here. And he handed me something. I said, what is that? I said, he said, it's a lighter. I said, I said, I don't smoke. I said, I'll take it though, but thanks. He said, I don't smoke either. And the Holy Spirit said, slow down. Don't miss it. So I did. I said, well, well why do you carry a lighter? And he said, that's what I've used to burn myself. Hmm. But here's, here's what's interesting. I said, why do you hurt yourself? Why do you burn yourself? Every teenager with whom I've had this conversation, and it's, it's in the thousands, why do you hurt yourself? 100% of them say, this is this answer I'm going to tell you. Not one has deviated from this answer. I hurt myself to stop the pain. Wow. That, my friend, is the enemy. Yeah. So, you know, we've, we've had, um, we've had, Young people come up to me and tell me that on the day we were at their school, that day they were ending their life. Hmm. That's why you, when you when you look at the big picture, you realize that God, God knows what He's doing, and the number one thing that God is looking for from anyone watching or listening right now, I'm gonna tell you what it is. It's a three letter word. God is looking for your yes. What will you, whatever it is, whatever he asks you to do, will your response be yes? Because if you're, if, if, if you have to think about that, then you may be sliding towards what I call counterfeit Christianity. Where you look the part, you sound the part, but you're empty on the inside of a real relationship. And if you're not there and you're not saying yes, then you're maybe looking at what I call transactional Christianity. Well, God, I did this, so you got to do this. If and then, if and then. And you kind of twist God's arm to make him do something. There's God's not going to move on that. There's no faith in that. So if you're not, if you're in, if you're in transactional Christianity, or if you're in uh if you're if you if you are a counterfeit Christianity, the only other Christianity term that really works, are you in faith? Because that's yeah. where you win. A lot of people say to me, well, I tried faith, Dean, it just didn't work for me. And, I, and there's your problem. The Bible does not say the just shall try by faith. It says the just shall live by faith. We just keep doing this. We just keep showing up. We just keep saying, Father, your word says, Father, your word says. And we understand that all of this is motivated by love. Mm -hmm. You see, I love teenagers. I don't have to wake up and go, oh, dear God, I got to go do this today. I wake up and go, Father. Thank you. Thank you for that. We get to go do this. When I walk on the stage and, and there's, you know, hundreds of a couple thousand students waiting to hear something, 
I know they're not there because they want to hear me. They we don't. You'll never see my name on anything when I'm on the road. You don't see banners. You don't see there. I could care less. I even tell them my name's Dean. I'm from Chattanooga. I speak with teenagers. Next, let's keep going. I could care less, but I want them to know their lives matter because they were created on purpose, with purpose, and for purpose. Yes, sir. Oh, so powerful. I mean, I'm hoping that people are hearing the words that are coming out here because there's so much life. I think that's a big thing that's on my heart. There's so much life here because that's what the spirit of God has anointed you to do, Brother Dean, is to communicate his life uh, yep. to teenagers and to God's people in general. Uh, Brother Dean, I want to circle back. You had mentioned something about words and coming yes. back to that. I didn't want to miss that if that was something that you wanted to share on. So. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Yeah, it is because it's... I, I, we, we understand that if you look at Genesis 1, then God said, and whatever he said, he instantly he then saw. And then Genesis 1, 27 and 28, then God said, let us create men, women, them, us in our image. So if God created his world by his word, which we know he did, and then he created you and I just like him in his image, then I can assure you today and anyone who is watching that the words we speak create the world in which we live. Mm -hmm. Job 22, 28, you will also declare a thing and it, what you just declared will be established so light will shine on your ways. Our job is to declare, God's job is to establish. Now, what's interesting is when you when you really get into work, working with God and in, in prayer is so important here, it's my job to show up, right? Mm -hmm. It's God's job to give me a reason to keep coming back. Wow, yeah. I show up and go, okay, Lord, I'm going to pray your word. I'm going to speak your word. I'm going to declare your word. I'm going to receive your word. But then there's also this place, and I'm, and I'm seeing it more and more, where it's got to be more than just name it and claim it. Mm, that's good. Yes, sir. There has to be more. And I know what the more is. He's revealed it to me. It's a word that is so hyped right now and it's overused in many circles, but I'm, this is what the Lord has shown me. Intimacy is the key. That's right. Yes, sir. It is in his presence because when we're in his presence, what's in his hand will come to us. Mm, that's good. That's I've so got, good. Lori and I, my wife and I have three grown kids. And if, if all our kids ever said to us growing up was, hey, dad, hey, mom, I want this. I want this. Can I have this? Can I have that? Can we buy me this? Can we buy me that? Hey, I need this. I need that. I would be like, for the love of God, I'm not a bank. Mm -hmm. but if my kids come up and go hey dad let's go for a walk hey let's go out on the boat hey let's go do this hey let, they want to what are they saying i want to have time with you not what yeah. you can provide for me the provision is guaranteed and mm -hmm. so many christians are so focused on well i got to say it the right way and I'll do it this way and mm -hmm. if i give 10 i'm gonna get 100 and, and i'm listen i'm all for that i live by those principles sure. Yes, sir. But man, there is something. This is where I. This is where I failed as a father. People go, "You're just so transparent." Yes, because if all we ever tell you is how great everything is, then we are we're we're falsely representing the Christian walk. Because sometimes it's just really painful, and sometimes it's really difficult. Yes, sir. I failed epically as a father in this area. I taught my kids how to receive from God. I didn't teach them intimacy with Jesus. Mm. You know why? Because back then I couldn't give what I didn't have. Yes, sir. Wow. So I have since gone back to each of our children individually and said, I apologize to you. I missed it. Wow. 
principles. You know, I live by this and I want you to live by these principles. We know they work, but here's where I missed it. I didn't teach you that Jesus is so much more than a bank, so much more than give to get. He wants to be involved in every component of your life. He wants to be there when you wake up, when you're, when you don't feel great or when you're on top of the world, when you're hurting or when you are just soaring with eagles, he wants to be in every realm of your life. And I didn't show you that. And I was wrong. Please forgive me. It changed our, it changed my marriage. It changed my, my, my relationship with our kids. It's changed our ministry because someone said to me the other day, they said, when you started speaking, I saw a smile on your face that I've never seen before. And it's because all I want to hear is well done. And you won't hear that if your whole focus is, well, I got to get more so I can give more so I can get. No, it's, there's more to it than that. Mm-hmm. And part of my assignment is sharing with the young people. Yes, the principles. These principles work for it. Show me the biggest heathen in any city who doesn't know God mm-hmm. from Adam. If they're giving, they're blessed. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. It's what do you do when you work these principles, but your heart is so connected to the Lord that you don't, you're not doing it to get, you're doing it because you just want to please him. Mm, Yeah. So good, man. Praise God. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm glad we didn't skip that. You know, that was, that was needed. People need to hear that a reminder. We need that reminder for those who have heard it. And for those who haven't, that just rocked and changed somebody's world. If they have ears to hear it. No, brother Dean, I want to be so respectful of your time. Uh, but I want to ask you here, I want you to kind of just take over here. If there's a teenager listening right now, or anyone listening right sure. now who's dealing with thoughts of suicide, inadequacy, the list goes on and on. Would you just speak to them right now? From Absolutely. Your heart? Yeah, let me let me just share with you that God's God has a plan for your life. And that plan is to prosper, to give you a future, but it's also to give you a hope. See, faith isn't faith until it produces results. So that's why God, I believe, created hope, because hope gives faith something to hang on to. You may be going through a season right now, you're not sure you can get through the next 30 minutes. Let me help you. There's one, there's a person right now who sticks closer to you than even your closest friend or brother. And he's desperately knocking on the door of your heart. And he's saying to you, you matter because I gave you my breath. Do you realize that God could have sent the 10th or the 100th or the 100 millionth best out of heaven to accomplish everything he wanted accomplished in the earth? But he said, I love my children so much. I'm going to send the very best, my son. And he's going to come to the earth in the form of a man. And he's going to be there as Jesus, the son of man, not Jesus, the son of God. And he's going to be tempted with every temptation known to man. But he's not going to give in. He's not going to sin. His life is going to be flawless. And it's going to be flawless because he's going to do what I instruct him to do. He's going to say what I instruct him to say. And he's going to live a life that is 100% governed by love. Love never fails. So when Jesus came, he lived this life. And you go, well, I don't believe that. Let me tell you, if you don't believe in hell, you're going to have a really bad day because it's real. And hell's not full of bad people and heaven's not full of good people. Heaven's full of people who said yes to Jesus. Hell's full of people who said no. It's just that simple. Well, what's that got to do with me, Dean? Why do you think the enemy's after you so badly? Why do you think this thing called the devil hates you so much? Because he sees 
your potential. And what is potential? But the ability to do something. And where's the most unused potential today? In a cemetery. That's when it's too late. When you and I look down at someone who's in a casket, we go, oh, they sure look peaceful. Their potential is no longer needed. It's over. It's done. What can you do with the life you've been given? Yeah, Dean, but you don't know what I've gone through. Don't have to know. There's one who sticks closer than a brother. He knows. Yeah, but you don't know what they said about me. You don't know what they said about me. You don't know what it feels like to be whatever, whatever, whatever. I've been sexually abused. I didn't. I ran into the person 22 years later, walked right literally into this person, and my life unraveled. I was on TBN Daystar, reaching a quarter of a billion with the B people every time I shared my testimony, and I couldn't function. When I brought it to the foot of a cross and said, Jesus, if there's anything you can do in my life, I'm here. I give it to you. And maybe today, maybe just maybe that's where you are. Could you come to a loving father and say, I give up. I give it to you because I promise you, he loves you more than you can even begin to imagine, irrespective of where you are in your relationship with him and irrespective of what you did 30 minutes ago. You can't outrun his love. Give him a chance. Oh, so powerful. Brother Dean, would you just pray uh, yeah. over us as we wrap it up, sir? Absolutely. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this time. Thank you for all that you're doing in all of the lives that are being impacted by this podcast, by this ministry, Father. Father, I just thank you that you open doors that no man can shut. You shut other doors that no man can open. Cause people, Father, to come together in the unity of faith, believing, Father, that you love us, believing that you've got a plan for us, and believing that because you gave us your life, each person listening and watching today has a revelation of how much their lives really do matter. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So powerful. Thank you so much, Brother Dean. Uh, how can people get in contact, find out what you guys are doing? Sure. Easiest way to do that is just our website, youmatter.us, Y-O-U matter, M-A-T-T-E-R.us. Or you could go to Dean Sykes, D-A-N-S-I-K-E-S.net. Either one of those websites will take you to uh, to our ministry, what we do in life. And if you're interested in getting involved, there's there's phone numbers there, there's email addresses there. It's, it's all there for you. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Brother Dean. And thank you guys for listening, being a part. Like I said, I know you you received valuable uh, life-giving words today by the Spirit of God. We trust that you've done that. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts for those listening. That helps the podcast get into more ears. More people can hear it. My name's Elijah Merle. I don't want you to forget this now. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Thank you for listening to the Greater Than Podcast. To find out more, visit our website at merleministries.com.